try to create, if you think about like when we created, you know, the Pisgah and the DuPont graphics, the idea was to kind of highlight those areas and how they make us feel right. My, my goal from the very beginning is when you see that DuPont shirt and you see that Pisgah shirt, it makes you feel something like physically, <laughs> right? It's true. To the point of like, oh, I want to go ride there. I want to be there. Like I, I love that place. You're listening to Exploration Local a podcast designed to explore and celebrate the people and places that make the Blue Ridge Mountains special and unique. My name is Mike Andrus, the host of Exploration Local. I'll be sitting down with people and business owners that have a deep love for the outdoors and who help to fuel the spirit of adventure in these mountains. We encourage you to wander far, but explore local. Let's go. I'm joined today by Austin Bankert. He is the founder of Cognitive MTB, a lifestyle and performance apparel and gear company. But really, they're about so much more than just apparel. Um, they're about getting involved and giving back uh, to their community. So welcome to the show, Austin. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me. I love your story about how Cognitive came to life while riding in DuPont. State Forest when you're on vacation. Not only did that experience bring cognitive to life, but it actually sounds like it redirected your entire family's life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had really no plans of leaving the Raleigh area at the time. We we talked about retiring out in you know this part of North Carolina at some point, or at least I talked about that. Um, so I had to do some pretty uh, convincing of my wife to even consider that at the time. And so what was that experience like? I mean, I've read you kind of pulling into DuPont State Forest or me. I don't know if that was your first time or if you'd ridden there before and you had some epiphanies. But um, I know what my first experience pulling in and riding DuPont was like. But can you kind of talk about that a little bit more? Because I, I love how you, you write it on your website, but I love for people to hear it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, living in Raleigh, um, you know, we're a couple, we were a couple hours from the beach, but we were you know, four or five hours from the mountains and, and found ourselves traveling out this way more and more. And what really kind of hit me on at that time was, um, you know, why wait, right? <laughs> There's mm -hmm. all these things that we say, oh, when I, when I'm, when I'm this age, when I do this, when I retire, you know, especially right. The, when I retire, I'm do this. Why wait? Right. Why right. not, why not make a life for ourselves now? And I just, I remember, and it's, it's, it's funny because obviously I, I get to ride there all the time. But um, some days it just hits me, whether it's the right amount of moisture in the ground or the right plants are blooming. But there's just there's there's this the smell, <laughs> there's this yeah. aroma. And it's like it's kind of intoxicating. And for me, um, it just it really washes away everything. It doesn't matter, you know, how things are going at work, how many uh, chores or things I'm behind on at the house. You know, it just it washes all that away. And I'm just I just feel really connected and at peace and just grateful like gratitude i think is one of the biggest emotions that that we we allow ourselves um and really connect that we can and should feel being in the forest just just to be there and to be amongst all that beauty and all the diversity and um that was definitely one of the things it was just uh it washed away you know anything that that was on my list and i just felt so grateful to be there and um you know that was kind of part of the process of uh starting to open up the idea of well hey why why wait till I retire? Let's, let's try to make a life here now. And so what, what do you do or, or is cognitive your full-time thing or is that a side thing? What, how did you actually make that transition to move to this area? Yeah, great question. Um, so I, I had actually come up with the idea for the business before I moved here and I wrote a business plan. Um, 
and I'll say back then, you know, sometimes um, people say you have to have a dream and, and I'll kind of say that, you know what, you kind of, you can also have an idea that turns into a dream, right? And wow. and I had this really small idea that at the time I wasn't really even allowing myself to dream for it to be as, as, as big as it is now and as big as it, it hopefully will be one day. But um, at the time I, um, I worked in the power sports industry for about 15 years. So motorcycles and, and I was heavily involved in that um, from a career and I, uh, and uh, just a personal racing and, and very involved. So I've been on two wheels for a long time and kind of personally, I started transitioning over to mountain bikes. Second kid came along and third kid came along and, <laughs> you know, I found it a lot easier <laughs> to hop on the mountain bike and I was really enjoying it. It was a different experience, right? Um, right. Uh, I loved riding dirt bikes and racing and there was a lot of uh, challenge. There was a lot of adrenaline, but the being on the mountain bikes brought this connection with the forest and it, it brought in some of those same, um, same feelings and emotions that you get when you go hiking and you go backpacking and you're just, you know, experiencing more of it. And so for me, it kind of became a more well-rounded, um, way for me to, to recreate, to be quite honest. And, yeah. um, so at the time I was working for a publicly traded company in the heating and air industry, corporate America. Mm. Um, it was tough. It was I just, I'm not the type of guy that's cut out for that. I did it for six years, started cognitive as a side business. Um, and people would ask me even like six months, 12 months in 18 months, is this, you want this to be your full-time job? But you know, if I have to be honest, I wasn't allowing myself to dream that that was even possible. Mm. And I look back at that and, and I wonder, I still kind of question, how did I get to a point like that? But um, long story short, two and a half years in, it is now my full-time job. You know, it sounds crazy, but a year and a half in, I did have the vision for it. <clears throat> still very small side business. And um, a year after that, you know, two and a half years since I started it, it is my full-time gig now. That is awesome. So did you have a background in textiles or product design manufacturing i mean that's a i mean th that's a pretty specific thing that you jumped into i mean i know that you have a, a passion for the mountain biking and so forth but you know that's a pretty formidable task to sort of hop into the the apparel world so what kind of a background did you have that lent to that well that's a uh, a common um source of laughter in my house sometimes i just <laughs> look at my wife and i'm like did you ever think that i would have an apparel company like <laughs> You've, you've made fun of my style, you know, like I have no style for years, you know, just give me a pair of jeans and a flannel shirt, right? I mean, that's just, all you need. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of hilarious, <laughs> honestly. But it turns out I, I, I didn't realize that I had as much of a background that would help me in this um, that I do because when I was in power sports, I was on the retail side for a long time. So um, not real technical, but <clears throat> it really, even that experience there really set me up to, to be successful and understand how to run this business because at the time I was managing employees, I was managing, um, you know, over a million dollars of inventory outflow inflow during the year. Um, but after that, I, for eight years, I worked for a distributor um, where I now was the wholesaler and I sold to motorcycle shops. Mm. And um, I just found myself loving the textile side of things. It was my favorite part of the business. Um, I did very well with it. Um, got some awards like, I just, I, I understood, you know, I was, I was very technical when it came to the, the fabrics and the fit and the features and why we do this versus this. And I really enjoyed it. And that, that kind of, when I got out of the power sports industry, um, not intentionally, but I, I started backpacking more. And so, um, you know, mountain biking, all those things. And then my, my love for, um, you know, textiles kind of went from the, the, uh, 
um, you know, power sports sector to the outdoor world. Um, just, just as a, as a, um, a user, not never worked in the outdoor industry or anything like that. So, um, and it's probably part of, um, you know, probably what held me back a little bit, maybe from moving a little bit faster with cognitive is, is maybe not feeling adequate, adequately equipped, uh, to be able to, to build something like this. And, but I do have, did have a background in that, that I really think not so much that I, that I learned manufacturing and all that, but I've developed a love for it and the fact of how much I enjoy that part of the process. And then I've just had to jump kind of, you know, um, head first in and uh, learn as you go. And and we've, we've grown the business really slow intentionally um, because that way we can, number one, listen to the market and see what the market's looking for, see what's working, what's not. But it also allows us to kind of keep tabs on, you know, um, product quality, performance, all those things where we don't have, you know, 20,000 units of a certain thing sitting in storage going, uh-oh, we messed up, <laughs> right, <laughs> you right, know? Right. Um, so we've kind of done that growth organically and slowly, and, and it's, it's, it's partly been intentionally so we can make sure we make the right moves, right adjustments, right manufacturers. And even today, I mean, I'm working with six, seven different factories, prototyping and sampling, and just trying to find the right person that can give the quality of product and the right features of product that we're looking for as we introduce new product lines we don't currently have. Oh, wow. So you do a test run with these companies to allow them to show you what they can do and what your vision is, how they can help you achieve that. And then you just are evaluating each of those from there. Is that how that works? Yeah, because, you know, quality kind of comes into like three different um, sectors. It comes into durability in the sense of, hey, how is this going to hold up to abuse on the bike? Right. The second thing for quality is going to be performance. Um, and that can be how a jersey's cut. That can be how a glove is cut. Um, or it can be the material, right? Is it made out of the right material? And then the third thing is really just quality of workmanship. You know, it, it, is the factory paying attention to the fine details? So those are kind of the three things that we look for and that we test for. Not always an easy process. Uh, I can tell you one thing. When they build you samples, they're going to have their best guy on it, and they're going to take the most amount of time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're going to give you the best product possible. So, yeah, that's an ever-evolving process. Um we're constantly trying to make sure that we put out the best quality product we can for the best performance at a, at a, at a good price. And we're going to continually be evolving that and, and working towards, um, uh, you know, making sure that we do that in the market. That's good. That's good. So let's, um, let's talk about the products that you have right now. I know that there's the lifestyle products that you have some hats and shirts and sweat uh, hoodies and things like that. And then the, uh, the actual performance um, where, so just walk us through a high level of what your, your current product lineup is and maybe right now, and of course it could change, but what's the most popular uh, few items that you have? Yeah. So we, you know, we started this thing like super small, right? Like we came up, we designed a Pisgah design and a DuPont design and we threw it, so we threw it on some t-shirts and some socks and did a couple things with hats. And, um, that was our initial product launch, just casual. Um, thinking about going in the performance line, honestly, was very daunting, very scary. It's like, cause, because when you do that, all of a sudden it's like, well, you're playing in the arena with all the big players, right? The Fox racing, the Troy Lee designs, all of a sudden we're all in the, we're all in the same game. So, so we, we currently, um, have, we started probably with like 30 to 40 SKUs. We have over a thousand SKUs now. Um, oh. and so, um, from a product line standpoint, you know what? We're pretty split 50, 50 between casual and performance which is okay. awesome, 
right? Because for the first year, year and a half, we were just casual, with the exception of socks. We're really getting close to that 50-50 mark, which is pretty awesome to see. You know, as far as like, what do we sell the most of? Really, our Go Ride Your Bike um, collection um, is uh, our most popular design. And uh, we sell that, you know, across the board from casual, uh, you know, shirts to, to gloves, to, to jerseys, um, hats, the whole works. And that's kind of become synonymous with our brand. People see the Go Ride Your Bike um, slogan, they see the, the design, and they're starting to kind of recognize it with us. And uh, it's, it's become something that's kind of, you know, kind of become, um, you know, kind of our motto. And, uh, and uh, we have a lot of fun with that one. So that's definitely our most popular. Um, as far as like the ride area collections, you know, currently we have Pisgah, DuPont, um, Rocky Knob Park, uh, Weed Patch Mountain, and then Shenandoah Valley. Um, definitely I would say Pisgah is the leader there. And then, um, you know, DuPont would be a, be a close second behind that. And I, I know that with that and with all of those areas, you have this ambassador program. So you have an extension of you all around and all on the trail. Yeah. And, and what we try to do is to have um, those ambassadors set up where our locations are, um, you know, with the different trail designs. And, and, and honestly, I get asked uh, not, not all the time, but fairly frequently, like, are you going to do more ride areas? Are you going to do Moab and Sedona? And the answer to that, I don't know. <laughs> it's um, uh, I, you know, I, I've got my hands full right now. And um, uh we're really trying to evaluate if that's kind of where we want to take our brand or we want to kind of stick to the core, you know, kind of places we have and then build our, build out the rest of our non-ride area stuff. Um, but yeah, our ambassadors are in place and, and they're there to, uh, to help, you know, um, gain brand exposure, to gain awareness of the product lines, um, obviously to, you know, spread our message of uh, advocacy and giving back and all of that. So uh, they're, they're uh, definitely a big part of our brand and, uh, and help us kind of move forward, you know, from where we're at today. So you just touched on something um, about the give back. And I have to be honest with you. In fact, your gloves are sitting right here on my desk. I got a size of XLs. I'll be wearing them tomorrow on my ride. And nice. I love them. <laughs> the thing that really stood out to me as I started to look into your company uh, more was your true commitment to giving back. So you have amazing products. They're great all in and of themselves. But to me, it seems like there really is a greater purpose uh, or vision for for what you're after. Uh, am I thinking correctly, or does the give back program just a natural byproduct of of what you do? It seems to be very intentional to me. Yeah, and and that kind of started um, from a couple reasons. You know, the first thing is you know I have to give credit to my parents just growing up and and watching them. Um, always be available uh, to, I, I've seen them help a lot of people. And so that's kind of been instilled in, uh, in me just throughout my life. And so as I started creating the brand and thinking like, okay, we're going to do this. It's going to be about that. I was like, well, it's gotta have a purpose, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. We, I mean, we can, we can do anything for, for a business, but there's, there's gotta be something bigger. And as I moved here, um, so I moved here, right? I had the business plan kind of laid out and then we move here. I'm still working with from my other job. Okay. And as I move here, I start getting involved. I start going to the chapter meetings. I had the conception that a lot of people probably do was like a tree falls in the forest. 
the Forest Service goes and cuts it out, right? Of course they do. They're mm-hmm. the Forest Service. That's what they're paid to do. There's trail work needs done. The Forest Service goes and does it. And as I started getting involved and more educated, I found out that's not the case. And um, it's volunteer trail organizations that keep our public lands going. Um, yes, the Forest Service is there to manage the land. And what they do as part of their management strategy is they manage the volunteer groups. But they don't have the capacity. They don't have any. They don't have a fraction of the funding they would need to be able to go out and maintain the trails themselves. And that's where the volunteer groups step up. So as we start creating the brand, we move here, we're getting involved, we're seeing the need, where you know the reality is coming in is like, well, hey, the, the Forest Service relies on volunteers. The volunteer groups rely on not only volunteer hours but also volunteer donations. Um, the whole time, you know, this is before the brand launches, you know, I'm gaining this understanding of how important it is not just to donate money, um, but to donate our time and our efforts and getting behind these organizations for the betterment of, of the trails and of our sport. And so you realize like, you know, the future of being able to use these trails is all about the future of having strong, uh, financially, um, uh, and and strong um, from a community standpoint, volunteer organizations. So that's kind of where that started from. So it's uh, more of a, a a byproduct, but a recognized need of something that wasn't being maybe fulfilled as to the level that you 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 thought that it could and that you could help with. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and it's it's not like, again. It's not just about okay, we're going to donate X and. You know, I'm I'm proud of this. Since we started the company, we've donated over seven thousand dollars back to the trails. It's not just about that, but it's also educating others, right? Because we're just we're just one company, right? We can only do so much. But if we spread that message um, about getting involved and about the need that's there to keep these trails um, open and sustainable and taking care of the, our public resources, um, so much more can happen, right? So the message is really. For me, the message is equally as important as the money. Maybe the message is more important because that's going to grow, I think, more exponentially larger, the impact than just the money we donate. So those two things are very much tied together, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was it was really about also kind of setting an example, maybe like, hey, we're going to give back um, to like everything that we donate goes back to the trails. It goes back to the nonprofit trail organizations. And we hope kind of by setting that example um, of doing that, that, that others will also do the same and, and see the value in it. So what are some of the other companies that you collaborate with or groups that you collaborate with, not just from the the uh, the educational piece and the financial piece, but the actual doing piece? What are what are some of the other groups that you are collabing with? Yeah, so so the main ones locally here are Red Wolf Mountain Bike Tours and Crank Joy. And um, my good friends, uh, Chad and Trisha Davis, run Crankjoy, which is a media website that focuses on reviews, mountain bike destinations. Um, they, they do a lot of articles on relevant topics. And um, Crankjoy and Cognitive donated – or excuse me, not donated, adopted Black Mountain Trail. Okay. Um, Pisgah Area Sorba, um, which is the group that takes care of the Pisgah Trails in, the, in our district, which is kind of like south of Asheville all the way to Brevard. Um, came up with an adopt a trail program for, um, uh, all the trails, uh, hopefully, and most of them do will have adopters that are responsible for the maintenance. That means, that doesn't mean we're the only people that pick up shovels, but it means that we, we, we organize it, 
Um, we know what needs to be done. We get it on a calendar. We organize work parties, the whole works. Um, so we have adopted all of Black Mountain Trail. The, the two of us collaborate um, on what needs to be done and events. We held uh, last spring, we held, um, uh, I can't remember if it was every other Tuesday or every Tuesday, but we held Tuesday night work work parties. We'd, we'd go and work for a couple hours and then we'd go ride bikes. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it was super fun. Um, and then uh, Red Wolf uh, Mountain Bike Tours has uh, has adopted uh, Buckwheat, which actually connects to Black Mountain. And um, the three of us kind of collaborate from a business standpoint as well, um, just because all of our businesses, uh, you know, we don't compete directly, but we're all in the same sector. So we kind of help each other, um, not only from a trail advocacy standpoint, but just from a from a simple business standpoint. And do you do anything in the DuPont area as well, or is right now just kind of the focus Black Mountain? I mean, because that's a big one. I mean, that's a that's a beast. Yeah. It's a, exactly right. It, it's the, it's, it's a nine, nine mile trail. I think it is. Um, and the good thing is it has fairly good access. So yeah, so, so we're, you know, we're members of both Pisgah Air Sorba and Friends of DuPont and we give, we give money back to both organizations. And, um, most of my trail work happens in Pisgah. Um, but from a, from a, from a personal standpoint, um, I try to do a little bit in DuPont every year as well from a, like a company standpoint. We just do Black Mountain because that's that's kind of all we can, uh, you know, handle, um, you know, as far as uh, you know, organizing and all that. But I definitely personally like to jump in on a couple couple work days in Dupont a year because I, you know, I ride there a fair amount and love it there. So we we try to try to get back in that way too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Jumping back to the product a little bit, what is or what are some of the things that make your gloves, socks, things like that? attractive to mountain bikers? I mean, why, why cognitive products? Yeah. So one thing that we've kind of done differently with the brand, when you start looking at it and you're like, huh, these guys don't have everything. Everything isn't just their logo, right? Right. <laughs> you know, you go look at a lot of brands and it's, it's just their logo, which is great. We, we have a cognitive collection and it, it's, it's one of our better selling ones. It does, it does really well. But what we try to create, if you think about like when we created, you know, the Pisgah and the DuPont graphics, the idea was to kind of highlight those areas and how they make us feel right. My, my goal from the very beginning is when you see that DuPont shirt, you see that Pisgah shirt, it makes you feel something like physically, <laughs> right? It's true. To the point of like, oh, I want to go ride there. I want to be there. Like I, I love that place. And so the rest of our, our, and I'm talking about from a design standpoint, and we'll talk about product from a design standpoint, kind of had the same vision for the rest of our, of our designs. Um, so, you know, currently we have um, the Go Ride Your Bike collection. We have the Let's Ride Bikes collection, which the Let's Ride Bikes design was really kind of centered on that community, right? If you're ever sitting there, you know, with your friends on the side of the trail and you're kind of, you know, sitting around and somebody goes, hey, man, come on, let's ride bikes. <laughs> so it was kind of like a community type message. Um, we have the inserts of single track, which is all about, you know, adventure, hitting the road, your favorite trails, going out to find new ones. And then we have the bare necessities line, which the bare necessities line is really kind of that message of like, you know, cutting back to what matters, living simply, like recognizing, you know what, we don't need a lot. Like we just love being out here in the forest, taking care of it, riding, you know, being in it, hiking, camping, all those things. Um, so from a, a simple like design standpoint, what we really have is very different than almost everybody else in the market. Um that's kind of the first piece of the puzzle. What, what, what brings people to the brand? Um, you know, the second thing is we've, 
we've tried to find a, um, I'll be honest with you from a personal standpoint, cause this is, this is, I'm the one that sets pricing and all that is, is I want to make sure everything we sell, I'd be willing to pay, hmm. you know, I'd be willing to pay that, that amount for it. We definitely don't want to be the cheapest guy out there. That's really easy to do. But we, I also don't have a vision to be, you know, this high end, um, you know, kind of uh, priced out of the reach of a lot of people. Like one of the things you'll see in our our website is um, lifestyle and performance apparel for every rider. Mm-hmm. Well, that's meant for the person that's just starting. And that's also meant for, you know, the pro level downhiller that's that's faster than any of us will ever be. And so we make sure we, we, we price our, you know, products appropriately. So with that goes into product development and what type of materials. And, um, you know, I'll be honest with you with our jerseys. Like, I wish I could say that I, I, uh, did this amazing thing and this or that. I just got lucky. <laughs> like, um, I mean, I really, that's did. okay. Like, just the, you know, like I just we tested it and it's like everybody that tried was like, this is as good as any. X name brand out there I've ever worn when it comes to how it dries, how it, how it breathes. Like it's an amazing material. Um, and, and we've also kind of changed the fit a little bit from a lot of stuff. Stuff is kind of a lot of other jerseys and things have kind of gotten, um, baggy and we kind of see that changing a little bit. And we're kind of going more of like a t-shirt style fit, something that's not blowing around or flapping or we want you to be able to kind of walk into a restaurant after you ride and not feel completely out of place, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so that has to go with our fit. Um, the gloves, um, that was developed really kind of from the ground up. And, you know, the goal on that was a couple things, which was function. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big glove snob, um, especially back in my motocross days. Um, there were certain things I liked, certain things I didn't like. And um, so we put a lot of thought and a lot of testing into those before releasing them. Um, gloves get the most abuse, right? Yes. It's like, it's, it's the number one thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny. We've, we've only had gloves on the market for five months and I think we're only already on like our third revision. Wow. Getting ready to be the fourth. Like we're just, we're constantly working to make them better. Um, and so part of the gloves was fit, right? We wanted them to fit right. Kind of like a second layer of skin. Um, and the other thing is we want a touchscreen that works, right? Like it's amazing how many companies don't have touchscreen on their gloves. I'm like, man, we're out there all the time. And, we're taking pictures and we're, you know, we're replying back. Hey, I'll, I'll be back soon. I promise. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, man, we need touchscreen that works. And, um, and the other thing is of course, trying to increase the durability. Like we've got, it still surprises me that companies don't do this because it's, it's really not a cost thing. It's just, I don't, I don't know why they don't do it, but we've got a reinforcement patch on the inside of the thumb seam, which is a high wear area that rubs on the grips. Um, that was a no brainer for me because that, that can make a glove last twice as long just by having that. Um, so, you know, from a sock standpoint, um, those are made locally by Defeat. In, uh, I, I, I should say 75% of our socks are made locally by Defeat. The other 25% are out of Colorado. Um, and it was funny. Um, we're still kind of working through some inventory, but we had like four different socks at one point. I just tried everything, you know? It's <laughs> like, I know these are all good quality, right? But it's like the fit, the style. And so we, we kind of, we push back with on them a few times of like, hey, man, this is what we want. And you can't have all my business until you give it to me, (laughs) you know, like this is the right sock. And so long story short, they finally um, were able to produce what we want. And so we've been transitioning our inventory over and we went to a padded sock that has like a flat seam on the top of the uh, the toes. So you never feel it. 
Um, they stay put with the padding. It's a comfort thing. Honestly, you feel the difference, but also it's a durability mm. because you've got two to three times the material than just a thin sock. They're going to last a lot longer. So you're going to get more mileage for your investment. Wow. Well, I can tell you that at least I, ha I want to purchase the socks. It's probably my next thing, but the gloves, the very first thing I did when I got them is, is I, I put them on and I went to the touchscreen because you're exactly right. right. For me, I'm constant. I don't always have somebody to ride with. So, uh, you know, I'm constantly referring to all trails or something just to give me a little bit of confidence out there and to not have to, when I'm sweaty right. to take them off and to go through the screen, put my gloves back on and go. I mean, first world problems, right? But still, I mean, it's all about, right. I know. It's all about <laughs> some conveniences when you're out there. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, absolutely. well, that's, that's awesome. All right. So what about things that are on the horizon for you? What, what products are out there that you're thinking of? Cause it sounds like you're just an inventor. <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh. This is, so developing products is the, the best part and the most frustrating part of what I do, because it's like when everything goes great, it's awesome, right? But you also beat your head against the wall a lot, <laughs> yeah, you know? Um, so we have got so many new things in the works. It's ridiculous. Probably probably one of the things I'm, I'm most excited about. Um, so here's, here's a challenge, right? I'll just share this with everybody. Um, we were getting really close to finishing our, our shorts, right? That was the next logical thing. People are like, when are you coming out with shorts? When are you coming out with shorts? Well, we were on our third prototype with our factory and then COVID-19 happened uh, and everything shut down. Uh, and I have had to start over um, with another factory. I've actually got two factories sampling right now, men's and women's. Um, so one big vision going forward. And we have, I think, four, if I'm not missing anybody, four or five women brand ambassadors because we really want to grow the women's line of things. I've got two daughters. Um, you know, and I'm really passionate about, you know, getting more girls on bikes and getting more them more involved in the sport. So that's one big thing that's going to be happening across all of our, all of our lines. We're working on a women's specific cut Jersey. Um, but the shorts, we had to restart. Um, luckily I had some data, I had some sizing and all that. And, uh, so I did, I wasn't like starting from anywhere. Um, but that's in the works. We actually have our first round of samples coming from one factory, maybe in the next week or beginning of the other. And we'll start our testing process. Um, so probably one of the big shorts are really important. That's a big thing. I don't want to downplay that because there's honestly, there's, there's only, there's a lot of stuff on the market, but I'm hoping we can develop the product that I, that I want to develop, that I was making headway on with this one factory that just, you get to a point, sometimes you just have to go, all right, look, I can't count on this guy anymore. Uh -huh. <laughs> I got to move on. you right. Um, so that project isn't completely dead, but I can't wait on anymore. Right. So I had to restart, but, um, we're really trying to fill a hole in the market that I feel is there for the right, um, the right cut of short. And in other words, um, how it fits. Yes. I, I will tell you as a consumer that, um, I, I echo that because I have not wanted to drop the money on the shorts that I've seen. And I know it to some, it may not sound well, hopefully if people are listening and you're a mountain biker, you're going to get it because they either fit or they don't, or they ride up or they don't, or they stay put or they don't. But I'm telling you, man, uh, I, I'm highly excited to see what you bring to market because I mean, I still am just making do with what I have right now because I just don't feel like what's, what's there. I want to sink my money into. So. Yeah, that's, I, I appreciate that. And, and the short we were developing was like, this, we were, it was going to be a summer short. And the material was like so lightweight and stretchy and it was really good. And we'll see where that one ends up, but we're, 
we're in process elsewhere. Okay. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah. So, so another big line is a whole outerwear line. Um, I'm working with two different factories right now um, where uh, come fall, we should have a full outerwear line. Um, and that will consist of technical rain jacket, um, kind of a packable rain jacket. And then actually, uh, believe it or not, we're coming out with a down jacket line. Oh. Um, so that's probably kind of out of left field, maybe sounding to some people. Um, and our philosophy with the brand is um, what we want to do is our customers, we want to give them the ability to outfit what their needs on and off the bike. Right. Yeah. So if you're a mountain biker, you know what, why are we wearing the North face, a climbing company's down jacket, <laughs> right. Um, you know, or mountain hardware. Well, there's no options out there. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of a little bit of a vision I've had with the, co the brand is to fill in some of those holes. Um, and so we've been working on sampling and the factory we're actually we're working with actually makes over a million down jackets a year for a lot of uh, high end companies. We're going to come in at a really aggressive price point under 200 bucks for sure, probably an entry level and then kind of a, a little bit more of a feature, but it's going to be a 90% down, um, eco certified, um, RDS down standards. Um, so really excited about that. It's coming together really well and uh, it'll definitely be, it'll definitely be in the line sometime, um, you know, later, or I guess you say early fall. Is it just you or are, do you have a team of people who are, who are uh, helping you design this stuff? Yeah. So uh, I mean, I'm a one person show when it comes to like the company, but I, I rely heavily on my brand ambassadors. Mm. Um, so I, I, I literally run everything. 99% of things by them. Um, they're part of my testing. I've got some customers that have become friends that are like, you know, guys that ride 600, 800 miles a month. Like I've got this group of people that are just willing to give feedback and test. So like my brand ambassadors, um, they're a part of that process. Okay. I, I was actually, um, we're developing a high-end flannel. It's going to be a hundred percent, um, polyester. So it'll be a performance material. It's completely 100% custom from the ground up. Um, to our specs. And, uh, last night I, I have a, I have a chat group in Instagram. I was asking them some questions about that. So, um, I, I, yes, I'm the one communicating and doing everything with the factory and maybe having the bigger vision, but when it comes down to the details, um, it's, it's, it's a really a collective effort from probably 10 people, you know, and, and, and making sure that we're, we're getting all of uh, that feedback from from the market. That's so good. Are, are there big apparel type shows like nationally? I mean, I know you can't go to them, but are, are there some things that you have your your eyes and your your vision set on for the future? Yeah, there's 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 one called um, Outdoor Retailer, mm -hmm. and and that one's probably a little bit more valuable for me to go as a brand to go and meet factories and meet the you know. There's a lot of big brands that are there. Because, for instance, if I own a bike shop, if I own an outdoor store like a, you know, like Black Dome in Asheville, um, I would go to one of these events and I learn about all the new products. So, yes, I could go there as a brand. Um, but honestly, at this stage in the game, it's probably almost more valuable for me to go to something like that and to be able to make connections and see, um, you know, what these different factories can do and, and be able to kind of have a hands on experience. Um, outside of that, like. Um, you know, one of the biggest mountain bike festivals is the Sedona mountain bike festival, which I was not able to go to this spring. I couldn't put the pieces of the puzzle together. It was in February. Um, it absolutely is on my list next year. That's probably one of the largest in the country right now. 
talk a little bit about your vision for the future for for this area uh, in mountain biking and and so forth and and where your brand fits into that. Yeah, so you know we have a great problem here, which is as you know our 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 trails are awesome, our towns are awesome, like communities awesome, and people want to come here, which is great. We want people to come here. We kind of push back against some of the localism that can exist mm. in places like this. Um, which is the, we don't want people to come here, yep, right? Yep. You know, we feel no more entitled to, to be here and use this land, um, than anybody else does, even though we live here. Um, and we want people to come. We know people are going to keep coming. So with that, we feel like it's a chance to educate, right? We feel like it's a chance to let people know that, yeah, you actually shouldn't ride that trail, um, this time of the year or, you know, after, this rain or, um, and, and we feel like it's a chance to educate people about how they can get involved, like why, um, trail maintenance is so important because a lot of people don't realize, I think sometimes when people think trail maintenance, it's like, oh, well, it's just to increase the user experience and sure that can be part of it, but it's really about keeping the trail open and the forest service, if it deems a trail unsustainable, their only solution in their budget is to is to decommission the trail, close it. And um, our, our two biggest, uh, um, you know, reasons why trails become unsustainable are water and traffic, right? That's where the erosion comes in. So um, taking sustainable trail building and trail maintenance, um, you know, in, into account and then educating people to get involved. And so from like the community here, we want to continue to spread that message. We want to continue to beat that drum get involved, even if you disagree with the organization. You're hitting on something that is so important, not just for the mountain biking, but I think that it involves outdoor adventures and experiences here just kind of in general. One is that localism that we don't own this. We're just kind of on borrowed time and borrowed borrowed spaces, really, and it's just our job to be good stewards of it. But as we get more and more people involved and they come and they start to to, to choose mountain biking as a, as a form of recreation, if they're not connected and dialed into, you know, Pisgah Sorba or any of these trail working groups, what are the plans to kind of carry that education out to the masses, if you will, the people that are just kind of getting into it? And, and you may not have an answer to that question or a crystal ball, but that's just a question that came to my mind as you, as you're talking, because it, it really is more than just mountain biking. I mean, it's a lot of different outdoor experiences. If it's, if it's hiking on wet trails, if it's trying to, you know, get into areas that are closed, there's a reason that area is closed for this, for this period of time. So I think, you know, for the most part, messages like that for us are shared on social media, right? Um, they may be shared by us sharing a story. They may be shared by us sharing a picture and, and, and a small bit of education with that picture. So, you know, for instance, um, uh, a user conflict is a big issue, right? Mm. Um, mountain bikers don't call in to the forest service to complain about hikers, but it, it does happen vice versa. <laughs> um, wh whether, whether it should or not. True, true. Um, and, and so we have, we have folks that come here from other areas that think that, that nobody has to yield to them because that's how it is where they're from. The bikes have right away and, as you know, we're, we're the bottom of the total, the totem pole here. We yield for hikers and horses. We don't stop. People get confused. It's yield. And it really is just about being nice. Yeah. Just saying, Hey, how are you? Do you mind if I go by? Just communicate. Um, so that's a, that's a, that's another message that, that we share, um, pretty regularly. Pisgah area Sorba and friends of DuPont, 
Um, they're great resources for that because their their websites and their communication is all about advocacy and education. And um, you know, we're gonna always try to continue people to to drive people to those organizations. Even if you if you're listening to this and you just come out here once, twice, three times a year, I mean, for for what forty bucks, fifty bucks a year, you can join those groups. And um, that membership is a lot more than the money. It's another voice. Mm. You get the communication, you get the opportunity to vote, you get the opportunity to hear what's going on. And I just, I'd encourage people, regardless of where you're at, you know, become a member of your local trail organization. Even if you're strapped for time, right? If you're in that season of life, just become a member and just start listening and start understanding um, the the things that are happening around you. Uh, it's really important that we we get involved in any capacity, even if it's a small capacity, you know, with our public lands. Perfect. I'm glad you mentioned that. We will um, also in the, our podcast, we'll have some show notes. And so people will be able to, as they're listening through, uh, they'll be able to go to our website, explorationlocal.com. And all of the things that we talked about here today, uh, and including Pisgah Area Sorba, we'll have links in there. So we'll try to make it as easy as, as possible for people to connect to the things that you're you're describing here. So how can listeners find out more about cognitive mountain biking all the great gear that you make and the things that are going to be on the horizon for you all. So the best way to find our products um, is going to be cognitivemtb.com. And um, of course, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you kind of see what's going on with the brand. And one of the things we try to do with our social media accounts is not just post products or pictures of products and go, Hey, check this out, buy it. But we really try to use it as a, a source of inspiration and, encourage people to go out there and go ride your bike and to get involved and just to go out and have an adventure and, uh, you know, find some friends you can ride with all those things. So we try to, we try to tie that all together. Um, and as far as, uh, another way you can find this is, um, we do have our, our products in a few stores. Um, as soon as, uh, life gets a little more back to normal, um, we expect that, that part of our business to, to really grow. But, um, on our website, there's a link under the learn, um, tab called where to buy. So if you're, uh, uh, most of them are um, in North Carolina or uh, Johnson City, um, the truck store there, you can uh, click that link and that'll that'll give you information where you can see some stuff in person. Well, listen, I really appreciate all that you all do to create wonderful products that we can use in the outdoors, but um, also the the uh, the other mission, the underlying mission and vision that you all have, which is much more than just making a sale. It's about investing in your community and raising awareness and really kind of investing in the place that you live and work. So um, I think you do that well. Uh, I appreciate you for doing that. I celebrate you for doing that. And I have just thoroughly enjoyed having you on, Austin. Yeah, well, thanks, Mike. I, I appreciate you having me on and, and letting me share part of my story. It's been great. Hopefully you've picked up on the fact that this episode was because of mountain biking, but it wasn't all about mountain biking. It's equally about someone falling in love with an idea that has such a strong pull that it ends up becoming a dream that has to be pursued. It's about giving ourselves the freedom to dream, striving for the pursuit of excellence, advocacy, love for a local community, and a desire to see people fully engaged with the outdoors and each other. And yes, of course, it was about great gear designed by riders for riders at affordable prices. I hope you enjoy this episode. And hopefully it stirred something in you to pursue your own dreams and ideas. Please check out our website, explorationlocal.com, for show notes, links, and tons of awesome photos. And until we meet again, I encourage you to wander far, but explore local. Mm -hmm.